T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. In 1919, he hit 29 home runs and was sold to the New York Yankees. A three-run home run for Buckington. The Yankees now lead it by a score of 3-2. Bill Lee is now going over to a couple of the Yankees, and there they go again. Tech and A-Rod going at it. Roberts is going. Masada's throw. Roberts safe. What can I say? Just dip my heart and, and call the Yankees my daddy. Welcome to Fanbase, a deep dive into the greatest rivalry in sports. Brian Shack, but John Senecal here with you on episode 68. I mean, we we said it in in some ways. It was almost teasable, like it was the Moonlight Graham episode, but it's really not the case. I mean, anyone who knows baseball knows Moonlight Graham. You know, it's it's from Field of Dreams. Chisholm, Minnesota. Yeah, and he got into one game, but he never got to bat. And but he did get to walk into a cornfield. No, I mean, you know, it's you know, I first read the book. I mean, I, I remember it was I think W. P. Cancel is the author. I, I, I read the book in I think nineteen eighty eight. And I think the movie came out soon thereafter. I mean, the book was a, a big deal to me. But everyone who knows baseball knows Moonlight Graham. But Earl Snyder's not Moonlight Graham. No. And uh we've been talking to Mr. Schneider, for a long time now, you have, especially to try to get him on the show, and he, he joins us here on episode 68. Uh, just for a little bit of background, Earl Snyder is a police officer in Connecticut. Uh, he's a resident, born and raised in Connecticut, high school star, went to the University of Hartford, played baseball. We'll get into his baseball career, obviously, and I think the crux of today is to talk a little bit about his role on the 2004 Red Sox. But first of all, Earl, thanks for coming on. No, no problem. Thanks for having me. So, I mean, you know... And you came on the, our, our my morning radio show to talk a little bit about this on Monday, but do, you're a cop and you're an ex-pro baseball player. Like, do people know? Because to me, like, you made the bigs. Like, I don't care. No one's ever going to take that away from you. Like, you were a, prof- a major league baseball player. And do people now, obviously you bust some dude, he doesn't know, but do people around you know who you are? Know who I am? That's funny. You know, you know who I am. Yeah, yeah, that's the worst question ever. Uh, I can't hate that question. But uh, good start, no, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. The, 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 do you know who I am? Question. I get it all the time at work, but it's it's one of those things where I, I don't bring it up. I I kind of just will get ribbed every once in a while by my coworkers. They'll they'll bring it up to some stranger that's 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 there that we're dealing with or or anything like that. But I, I really don't bring it up. I'm not afraid or or. Uh, Adverse to talking about it at all, but it's it's one of those things where I never initiate that 
part of my life. It's but let's be honest. Every everybody like your your son and everybody in town wants you coach. They're on your team, your son's team. You're coaching it, right? Well, I, so you got as best I can. All right, so the line's out the door for to get on his kid's team. I'm guessing, right? Because he's a former major. You know leader. who I am. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, is it? Uh, yeah. I mean, of course that that makes total sense. I mean, if I'm in town, like his friend Brian, he he played baseball with him at University of Hartford. Like I didn't know Brian until my son wound up on Brian's team, and like within like one practice, I was like, Hallelujah, my son is on Brian's team. Right. Like I figured it out real quick how lucky I was, and then next thing I know, like my other son winds up on Brian's team, and then. Next year, the next year. It's just funny how that works. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> you know, I, I think your story has, before we get to 04, I, I think your story has so many things that are honestly like kind of inspiring to in a lot of different ways. Just take people through. So you went to Plainville High School in Connecticut and you said you were good, but not great, right? You didn't get it. It wasn't like Mississippi State was calling you to go play college baseball, right? No, no, not at all. I, it was one of those things where, unlike now with our kids going to these, these, camps and clinics and and travel ball and all this other stuff we didn't have that back then you you actually played little league right you played little (laughs) league and you you know you played you played in high school and you might play a you know american legion ball or something but other than that during the the winter months and and everything else you played a different sport or you clowned around with your friends or you did whatever you weren't hitting uh, baseballs 24 7 no 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 and and that's I liked it better that you played three sports, probably. Yeah, well, no, I only played one sport because I was lazy. But it was, <laughs> it, was, it was one of those things that was. I had some good hand-eye coordination. I had a little power, and that ended up coming out in college because I actually stopped being lazy and actually did start working out and 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 practicing every day. And those talents, whatever you want to call them, were amplified at that point because I finally did something more than three or four months out of the so year. So you're, there, you're, there's no major league or sniffing team sniffing at you in high school, but you go to college and you work your butt off. Yeah, 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 and, definitely and get, not in high get, school. And you yeah. get drafted. Yeah, yeah, ultimately got drafted my after my senior year um, by the Mets in the 36th round. 36? Yeah, nosebleed section. Nice. Yeah, well, like, they don't even have a 36th round now. No. I mean, like the that's like the that's even that's, that's better than Piazza that though. Piazza right. was lower like than that, sixty eighth or something. Yeah, yeah. Like that. I mean, so he's not you're not totally nosebleed. You know, you're middle tier. But there's it no was... expectation you're going to make the majors oh, with that God, draft pick. No. What no. do they pick you as? Are you like what is what are their expectations for you? Probably a roster filler for the minor leagues, like the lower minor leagues. I would imagine, you know, because at that point I'm older because I'm not out of high school, not even a junior in college. You know, after your senior year, you have no leverage at all. It's either you want to play or you want to go get a job. It's like, yeah, I'll play, you know. And that's kind of how it worked. I went to Pittsfield, Massachusetts for – And the New York Penn League, sure. New York Penn League, yeah, for for, uh, that half season. And after that season, I actually went back down to Florida after that to Instructional League. They kind of picked a couple of us to go there and – Okay, so you're infantry. They're feeding you to the dogs, right? They're just going to play until you get sick of it, and then they'll have another 36-rounder to come in and play. So that's basically how it goes. When did you know or when did they realize that maybe it was different? Um, I don't know. I, I know the second, my first full year. Did you go was, for three for five in Altoona and everything no, changed? No, that's how I ended up with the I, – I think it, it's my theory is that's how I ended up with the Indians. But um, I think it was after my – First full season, I ended up getting like the MVP of the team or whatever it was, some little award that they gave. And then you went to Shea Stadium and they handed it out before a game, you know. And then it happened again the next year when I was in the Florida State League. Um, and then 
by the time I was in double A that after that year, I got the organizational player of the year, like those three years in a row. So it was one of those things where it progressively got better. You know, you make an all-star team or two and it was one of those things where you proved you belonged with the first rounders and the other guys that were way better athletes than I was. At this know. point, though, you're like 24, 25. Almost, oh, older, right? right? Oh, older, yeah. I, well, let's see. That was yeah, around 2000, so I was probably 24 years old, 25. Yeah. yeah, somewhere in there. So Are the Mets like, oh, this guy's doing it again? Like, Are they annoyed by it, or are they finally thinking you're an asset? No, I would imagine that's that's the way it came. And, and you know, the Mets, they were great. I mean, First of all, what position did you play? I played corners mostly, but okay. in the beginning – you know, I got drafted as a first baseman, you know, six foot, 185 pounds at the time. Imagine 185 pounds. I haven't seen that in a while. But it's it's one of those <laughs> things where, you know, I I was playing there and and knowing that, you know, at the time, like Jason Giambi is the first baseman. of, right. of you know, He's the guy. And I look nothing like him. And I'm like, there's just no way that, you know, so I can have to change positions maybe. And I hit well enough the first couple of years where um, I was told Bobby Valentine – um, with the Mets at the time, liked guys that played multiple positions. So they moved me and started putting me at third base, putting me in left field a little bit to kind of, you know, see if I could at least play adequate enough defense to to be an asset somewhere. So you get to AAA with the Mets? Uh, I, I mean, I went, I went up there for the playoffs, but no, the, my after my AA season, that's when I got traded to the to, – okay. I was in a deal with uh, Roberto Alomar, came back to the Mets, and – I went over to the Indians with a, a hand. He was a player guys. to be named later. Yeah. Well, well, well was, wasn't I wasn't named, named later. later. I was named in it. And we all stunk <laughs> as we went over there. So it was. <laughs> uh, so, okay. So you go to Cleveland. You start off in, in AAA? Yeah, in Buffalo. Okay. So you're with the Bisons. And this is what? What year are we talking now? 2001. That two? would be 2002. Yeah. Okay. And so what happens next? I was there for three weeks. Um, you know, that that it was a weird spring because I that was my first spring training um, with the big league camp, and I was excited to go, but at the same time, my mother was was sick with cancer and ended mm. up passing away in Sorry. spring training. So it was kind of like one of those things where it's a bittersweet, you know, obviously, you know, what I had going on at home, but ended up going back to spring training, had a decent spring, and then after three weeks in Buffalo, um, Three you cold know, weeks in Buffalo. Freezing. It was miserable. It, like it, it's just right off the lake. All that, all that cold air coming in. It was. It was. It's rough up there, um, especially in the beginning of the year. But I got called up, and uh, you know we had Jim Tomey was playing the first base, and Travis Fryman. It was his last year, so Travis was getting older and needed to get spelled, and so I was playing first and third um, at that point, and Jim's back hurt, or Pedro was pitching, and then he would. <laughs> take the night take off. Take the night off. Yeah. And so your 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 numbers. You were up for I think it was uh, eighteen games. You hit two hundred. Uh, you hit that one dong. You remember it? Can you tell us? Oh, yeah. Who'd you hit it off of? Daryl May. It's the last game of the season. Me and Victor. He's a lefty, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Um, me and uh, Victor Martinez went back to back. That's Victor. interesting. Though. You said it's a, la- it's a last. Can he can- oh, please. Wait. It's, it's, I'm sorry. Go ahead. You say it's the last game of the season, right? Last game of the September season. September 18th. It yep. was right. So, yep. so technically, you could have hit a home run in your last major league game ever played. Yeah, if I didn't get called up with the Red Sox and play one game with them, yeah. Okay. So it was. Wow. So in the last game of the season, mm-hmm. you went back to back with Victor. Were you yeah. before him or after him in the lineup? Oh gosh, I think I was before him. 
Um, Just say after. You were protecting him. Yeah, no, I definitely, <laughs> we won't look it up. <laughs> he needed no protection. He yeah, needed no protection. He was Victor a pro. Craig, I remember he, when he, he was with the a, Red Sox. He was awesome. Okay, so I mean, so do you remember? You got the count. Like, it's, baseball players are like golfers. They get this memory that's like steel trap. Can you just take us through it really quick? I don't remember the count to be honest with you, because it was one of those things where you know, I, I knew the season was winding down. You know, it was. I wanted so badly to hit a home run. You know, we're at Jacobs Field. I don't even know what it's called now, but, um, but yeah, it was like um, left center field, probably about I don't know, eight or ten rows. Back maybe. Did you get? Did the you get oh, got me to it. I'm so yeah. sorry, man. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it's uh, yeah, I got the ball. The um, there was an usher out there, and the person that caught it, I don't know who they are, but I thank them tremendously right now. It's you didn't have to trade anything for it or anything. I didn't. I think they gave some of Jim Tomey stuff to him. So to make it <laughs> it's worth even better. Enough. <laughs> you didn't give nothing so, up, and you got your first home yeah, run. Yeah, Jim was Jim was awesome, but and 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 I think I think that was part of the bartering. You know, I I mean, I signed a ball or something like yeah. that. Just but who the, it, well, I've heard that about Jim Tomey, by the way. I heard he's you know a great teammate. His teammates all all loved him. Did you have an awareness that? That that might be like you might not ever get back. That that might be your only home run, or do, were you optimistic and feeling good after finishing the season like that? Well, I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't too optimistic about. I was optimistic in the sense that I got to where I wanted to be, and then ending the season there, and then trying to figure out what my next move was after that. You know, um, or try to try to do what I can to to. Stay with the Indians and and see where they were going because they were rebuilding at that time. Right. You know, had a, it was lot a of good spot for you, right? It, yeah, yeah. And looking back on it, maybe once I became a free agent after I got done with the Sox organization, um, it might have been a, a better opportunity to sign over there as a free agent um, than than it would be for for me to sign with the Rays. But those are tough tough decisions that you got to make at the time when you know you're trying to for, trying to get on a major league roster and 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 get to that point. Um, but I, I have, like I said, I have no regrets about you know where I went and anything. You talk about the 2002 season and you were playing with Jim Tomey on the uh, Indians. Now you got to bat against Pedro, right? Yes. And you got a hit off him. No, you didn't. You didn't get <laughs> no. a hit off him. No, no. But you got to Pedro. bat against him. Yeah, you remember yeah, I got that? A couple of bats against him. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I, my first at bat against him, um, I got three. Uh, we were in Fenway. I got three O on him. Ooh. And I, or Joel Skinner was our third base coach, and I looked at Joel, and he just, go ahead, swing away. I'm like, oh man, I'm gonna come out of my shoes against Pedro, and he starts, starts to get into his wind up, and I'm gonna, I'm coming out of my shoes, and I'm like, I'm not coming out of my shoes against Pedro. What are you stupid? You know, like, and watch one go right down the middle, you know, because I don't want to be that idiot rookie that falls down swinging right. and falls a pitch off, and then the next one's in my ear, you know, so. 3-1, he throws the same exact pitch, and I flew out to center. And, uh, well, he didn't strike out. Well, the thing about Pedro is like Kerry Wood, though. Like, because he has so many dangerous pitches, the thing I found, and I'm, I'm not as, you know, I don't know as much about baseball as you, but that if you, there's some pitchers you can reasonably kind of figure out what might come next. But with like Pedro and like a Kerry Wood, you don't know what they're going to throw. Well, both of those guys, too, have such filthy stuff that it doesn't matter if you know if it's coming or not. You know, it's just... You know, Pedro, I think one year had was ranked by the by his peers as having the best fastball changeup and breaking ball in the major leagues in the same year. And so those guys when they when he's throwing that ball 3-0, he's throwing it right down the middle, hoping that I try to put it in play. You know, 
And if, if I get him, then, yeah, oh, well. But yeah, the chances are so slim that you are, though. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. It's just, it's, it's, it's one of those things he's thrown hard, but he's, it's, it was straight and it was, it was hittable. It's just, you get underneath it by just a, just a hair and you fly out the center. All right, there's a bunch of stuff we want to get to. I, mm-hmm. I want you to, so we're at the end of the 02 season. You hit a home run in the final game. Great story. And then what happens next year? Then I was with the Indians. Um, through that other, the end of the off season, and then um, they took me off of the forty man roster. So you know, got designated. Does that mean you become a free agent? No. So what happens is you are basically on a list of players, and so how the teams finish the year before determines the queue basically of of who gets first crack. And so once somebody gets designated, the say the worst team has the first pick. You know, and so they pass on you, and then second and third, and all the way down. Well, the Red Sox were one of the last teams on that list, and they picked me up, claimed me, knowing that the 28 teams before them already passed. So then they flipped me around and put me back on waivers, and then I passed through all the way. And once you pass through all the way, now I'm still a part of that team, but I don't have to be kept on the 40-man roster. I'm just part of their organization now. Hmm. So they took a gamble that everyone will pass again. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, it, and I mean, it's, it, that was it, it wasn't even a gamble, right? Yeah, it's it was common sense. Yeah, common sense kind of thing. You know, no one's going to pick you up again. So, so that's how I ended up with the Sox for the last for the '03 and '04. So you're seasons. in Pawtucket playing Pawtucket, for the Sox. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Oh yeah, yeah. Would you grow up a what? Sox fan. You were. Yeah, oh, yeah. So was that? What was it like when you went to the team? And was it hard to be in all of '03? sitting in Pawtucket without a call well it, it was it was interesting because like yeah I played a an all-star game in high school at Fenway you know and then I thought that was gonna be my last time and then I did it in college and I thought that was gonna be the last time and then with the Indians so to get picked up by the Red Sox and and have the dream that you were going to be able to play in Fenway one day for them you know it was it was uh, – I, I enjoyed it. I got to see a lot of family and friends. They would come up to, to the games and, and at Pawtucket. So that was, a, that was a good part of it. The tough part was that you're playing on a, on an, in an organization that basically said we lacking talent in our upper levels of the minor leagues. That's why I picked you up. Okay. Well, that, it kind of tells you where you're at, not to mention the fact that that team's full of all-stars and, you know – those guys that were up there already. So, you know, going. Well, the 0-3 team arguably might have been better than the 0-4 team. Yeah. And they didn't win it. Yeah. Well, I mean, one swing. Yeah. Yeah. They were, they were, they were something. And, and going to spring training um, with those guys in 03 and 04, it was eye opening. You know, it was, it was, uh, it was fun to talk hitting with guys that were up there, you know. And that's ultimately what I like to do. You know, I wasn't a defensive guy. You know, I wasn't going to sit there and talk. Fielding with whoever I, you right. know, I, I wanted to hit and I wanted to learn how to hit and I wanted to talk to these guys and and they were all they were great, all of them. All right, so you spend the whole O three in the minors and then and again, this is fan base, a deep dive into the greatest rivalry in sports. Uh, episode sixty eight, John Senecal, Brian Chapman here with Earl Snyder, who uh, was a major leaguer, born and raised in Connecticut, where we record, and now a police officer in Connecticut, and he's just gracing us with these these great stories. And so you go into 04 
And uh, I, I don't know if you want to tell us what happened there, but you want to take us all the way through the call-up. I mean, take it where you want. I mean, you spent a full year in the minors. You know you're just sort of roster depth for the minors, right? I mean, you, you had no expectation that you might get a call? Well, it, that's the thing. Like, like a lot of the numbers that, you know, I put up for a while there in the minor leagues, we're, we're, we're good. You know, you lead the league in this or you lead the league in that. And, and it, again, that's not to be braggadocious or anything, but the, that 04 year – I couldn't have hit any better in the minor leagues. Um, Average-wise, eh, whatever, it's like 265. Or, I, I can't even remember what I hit. But, you know, ultimately I had uh, 80 extra base hits, I think. Um, you know, 43 doubles. I had 36 home runs, you know, 100-and-something RBIs. Like, Breck, you know, when Wade Boggs' doubles record in Pawtucket, you know, and it and tied the home run record. And, and so – at that point, I was hoping for a September call up, maybe you know, as, when the roster as, expanded. As, a, as a good job down there for the for the whole year. You grinded it out, whatever. Um, but I ended up getting called up in, I think it was like the second week of August, uh, to kind of caddy for those guys up there if if they needed anything because everyone was getting hurt. So, um, you know, the joke was that Dale Swain was running everybody into sprained ankles at home plate and. <laughs> Whether, it happened, yeah, well, whether Wendell, that was the reason or not, but. Wendell Kim was gone by then. <laughs> yeah. Now you get called up. Now you now when you get called up, you play one game and then you're back down. Or are you with the team? And you only get into one game. I was yeah. I was there for a few. I was there for a little less than a week. I think um, I ended up flying to Chicago for a series we were playing against the White Sox, but ended up getting sent back because I can't remember. It was like uh, Mark Bellhorn came off the DL. Somebody somebody came off the DL anyway. Um, but yeah, so I was up there for about a week, but I got to play one game for the Sox in Fenway. So talk to us Couldn't about that game. You who who you, you got a hit in that game? Got it. Yeah, yeah, I got a standing ovation. Really? Get out, really? Yeah, it was crazy because Boston. Was your fans, family and everything up there? Yeah, yeah, but Boston fans are are, are the best. You know, they I, know. I, I love them, and they know, and they they knew that I was a, a local kid. They knew I was a Sox fan growing up. You know, you, you, when you're in Pawtucket, you're very they're very plugged into that place. Yeah. And, you know, it was one of those things where I went, I was 0 for 3, and, uh, you know, I, I can't remember the count, maybe 2 1. Or, and I stepped out to look, and I look around, and like everyone's standing. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. These people are actually cheering for me in this game that really meant nothing. We were already ahead, you know, but it was just like wanting you to get a hit. And I might have been there, for all know, I know. And, and, uh, Got a hit in between short and third, and Dale Swaim got somebody thrown out by about 60 feet <laughs> for the third out of the inning, and Dale runs over to get my helmet because I was running towards second. And he goes, man, I was trying to get you your first RBI. I was like, dude, I took care of that like two years ago. Like, we're good. Don't start yeah. running any more people into getting hurt, you know, like or, or running into outs for me, you know, like, and I appreciate it, but we don't we don't need to do that Did anymore. Did you get the ball? So. you get that ball too? That one, no. It wasn't your first hit, so it's just it's not as got my first hit, but but uh, but not not that one, no. So then they sent you down, and you didn't get called up when rosters expanded. No, no, it was uh, that was that was probably the most frustrating thing uh, that I went through as far as as thinking thinking at that point I can't hit any better than I did. Yeah. You know, I can't. There's nothing else I can possibly do offensively better than what I just did. And I can't even get a call up in September. Did management to, or your agent get an answer? 
uh, I, I talked to Theo a little bit, Epstein, um, you know, and he was just like, you know, we got, we got room here. They were planning on making a run in the playoffs and all that other stuff, and they wanted to keep the camaraderie of what it was, you know, the 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 bench and the behind the scenes kind of stuff. And it, you know, agree or not, I understand that. And I was not a person that's going to be, you know, detrimental to anybody there or, or a distraction to anyone. So, um, you know, that was tough. I did get a call. <laughs> I got a call from him because we were, I was technically their property until I can't remember the date and sometime in October, I think after the world series and everything, but Bill Miller was uh third baseman at the time. Yeah. And they're like, Hey, Billy's knee is a mess. And we're not sure if he's going to be able to make it to this round of the playoffs. Have you been throwing and hitting and stuff? And are you ready to come up if we need you kind of thing? Cause we still actually technically have oh, the rights you. to you. Sure. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you know? <You're> like, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> it's like, I haven't done anything in three weeks, but it's like, yeah, sure. Whatever. You know, but it, that call obviously never came. And, and, uh, that was the end of that. So you watch him go to win the World Series in 04. I was in the Dominican, actually. I was playing winter ball down there. So I was watching it with the uh, subtitles. But, yeah. But in the end, the whole I mean, it's not a total loss because you actually get something out of that World Series. Talk <laughs> yeah. to us a little bit about you play one game for the Red Sox, and mm-hmm. what do you get? Yeah, you gotta, you Other gotta, than memories for life. But. Well, yeah, you got those Those are great, too. Yeah, I got to end up getting a, a World Series ring from them. You um, did? Yeah, stole it. I can say I stole it because it's uh, no man, you earned it. Yeah, yeah. Statute of limitations is over with that, but it's uh, yeah. It was one of those things where everybody on the active roster was given a ring, and um, now did you know that was going to happen, or was that just something all of a sudden? It was rumor. Hey, honey, there's something in the this weird box just showed up. You have no idea. That's it. The, what you just said was it's funny because, um, get a call from like somebody in the front office. They're like, hey, yeah, what ring size are you? And I'm like, man, this is a joke. You're not going right. to get me one of. Whatever, here's my ring size, you know. And so the whole uh, winter goes by, spring training. I end up as a free agent signed with Tampa. And Kristen, my wife, is is uh, pregnant with our first kid. And so she goes back home because they can't travel after eight months. Um, right. You know, so she goes back home and uh, has my. we have my daughter. And she's at home waiting, and it's a pouring rainy day. And she asked her family, don't ring the doorbell anymore because the baby's sleeping kind of thing. So someone comes in, ding, ding, rings the doorbell. She goes to the door, pouring rain, and there's just one box just sitting on the, on the stoop. And so she picks it up. She calls me. She's like, hey, did you order any sneakers? Like, and it's I'm, this glowing box on the, on, the, yeah. on the porch. And I was like, what do you mean I order sneakers? No, because I'm not going to be there for seven months. And she goes, uh, well, it's something from Boston. And I was like, ah, oh, it's, it's probably it's probably the World Series ring that they said they were going to send me, you know, as a joke. Right. Sure enough, she opens it up and it's just laying there on the ground. Uh-huh. So it was uh, that was that was funny. I'm, I'm glad she was home. If it wasn't for my daughter, she that thing would have been there for a while. Seven months out. Porch yeah. pirates would have got it. Seriously, yeah. you, would have been, you, would have been, you would have been chasing them down. Yeah, unbelievable. We're talking with Earl Snyder uh, here on uh, Fan Base, a deep dive in the greatest rivalry in sports. John Seneca, Brian Shackman here. Uh, Earl played for the Red Sox uh, one, uh, one game in 2004 and got a World Series ring. Had a great career. And so, where's that ring now? It's, it's in my pocket, actually. Okay, okay, really? You brought it for us? Brought it for you? Yeah, you what? Can I, I see? I got a question yesterday, and yeah, I asked him if he if he uh, if he got the ring first. I wasn't too sure if he did. And this is like because they do like replica rings for some staff, and this is it—the real, the same ring you got is the same one that Big Poppy got. 
Yeah, I'm sure his is a little bit bigger just because his hands were bigger. But, yeah, you know, it, it's, yeah, players' rings are different than front office and, and you know, management scouts kind of thing. Um, That's amazing. From from what I understand. I, I don't think I've ever really seen. That's a good question because, you know, Bobby Dickerson, he got one with uh, the Diamondbacks, but he didn't get the actual one. That like you know Luis Gonzalez right, got, but he was a player. It's right? a, that, yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good question though, because most people would think you know, oh, I got a World Series ring, but there's different versions. So yeah, yeah, yeah. this is the real hardware. So you that's a, that's you, the yeah, that's the, that's what the player ring looks like. That's you ever, exactly. Do you ever wear it? No. Where does it? It stays in your sock drawer. It's just yeah, it's in the it's in the safe, and it's just you know, it's. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where like you're proud of it, but like. You also don't want to be that guy walking around with it, you know, walking into the package store with no. your ring, and so somebody no, can say, "Hey, so, where'd you get that?" It's so it's that no, it's not your it, personality, not even close, and it's and it's one of those things too, is because you know that's why I said like I stole it. You know, you're there for one game, you play one game, you get one hit in some game that really didn't matter much in in mid August, you know, and to think that I could parlay that into this, it's it's. It's, it was comical, you know, and it was it was a joke for a while between me and my wife. And, you know, I was like, that's not – they're never going to send that. That's, there's no way, you know. It's only one game, but right, no, that's sure is enough. So that's where you sit. From where I sit, and maybe I don't want to speak for John, this where the Moonlight Grim. It's, it's like I know you didn't appreciate it when you were there, but you made it. You, I mean, I, I even like I, I talked the story. We've had Rico Bronia on the show, and I know – I've known Rico a long time. I dated his sister before I met my wife. You know, he had a terrible stint with the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. And in fact, it was all these things where I think he told the story where they wanted to send him down and he had to agree to it. And he said, no, no. Yep. And, and then he goes out and he hits a grand slam to a walk off grand slam to win a game. And like, no matter what happens, even though his, it ended really in disappointment there, like he got that, like you, yep. you put that uniform on, you went on that field and you got a hit. I mean, I'm sorry. Like that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it also speaks to everything that goes before that too, you know, like we talk about this stupid labor agreement and all that. And I've always said they don't care about the minor leaguers. I mean, you were trudging it out. You were sleeping on your cots and all that stuff. Like you put your work in, like you even said, you started in college and you put your work in. So, you know, it's awesome. It really is. I mean, there's no, there's no part of me that doesn't think you didn't earn that ring. Yeah. No, and I, I look back at it now and I, I, I truly appreciate it more than I did at the time. Cause at the time you couldn't really see the forest through the trees, right? You're, you're in there trying to do the job that you want to do and get to the place you want to be. And you're not really understanding the 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 level. I mean, you know, you look back and announce there's 700 players, you know, and you're that's one it. of them. Yeah, that's on one of those rosters. It is, it is an accomplishment. It's just it's one of those things where at the time, I want more. I want I want I want more time up there. I want more games. Right. But there's nothing wrong with that either. Yeah. No, but John and I can speak to this because that's where I think the hardest part is. And where we started the conversation is that what, that line between being an everyday major leaguer and not getting that opportunity. It's just like me. Like, do I? I thought I was good enough to host the Today Show, and I still think I'm talented enough. But I never got the chance. Or one thing broke the other way. I mean, John's been you know he was in has been media most of his adult life too, and. It's not always a straight meritocracy. And so to rake in AAA and, and, and get, you know, you're not a prospect anymore, right? You're Crash Davis. And, that, you know, but it's true. Yeah. And, and so it, I, I think people can relate to that frustration of not thinking you're good enough and not getting that opportunity is something a lot of people can relate to. Yeah, absolutely. 125%. Yeah, there was, there, I mean, there, there was a little bit of time where I was – quote-unquote labeled a 4A player from what I understand yeah. 
So it was like purgatory, right? You you were a little bit better than the guys in AAA, but you were not quite good enough to stick in the big leagues. But you're somewhere in the middle, you know, and and could fill in every once in a while if needed. But for the most part, we're just going to keep you down there and, and, you know, wait for you to be needed up here. And it's not going to stick, and then you can go back down. So, and then, and then every year that that goes by, you know, you your your clock is ticking, yeah. you know, because – you know, you get to 26, 27, 28, you go from prospect to this ain't happening, my guy. And and that's it, you know, so. Just real quick, can you put a ribbon on the career then? So you, that was your last appearance in the majors. And then after 2004, uh, you, you get let go, you end up in Tampa and, and just take us to the end of the career. Yeah, so 2005, I was, that was the first year I was an actual free agent where I could sign wherever. Um that's where I talk about maybe I should have gone back to Cleveland, maybe not. Who knows? Um, but ended up playing uh, 2005 with, with Tampa in uh, Durham, North Carolina, and then signed the next year with the Reds, was with them for a couple years, and then finished out half a season in uh, Charlotte with the um, White Sox organization. When did you know you were never going to make it back up? It was, I'll tell you, it was right around that 2005 season where I just hit, like I said, as good as I could have. Um, I, I couldn't have put up better numbers that season with the 04 Pawtucket year um, and not get called up. And then 05, I was told that, you know, Lou Pinello was the, the manager of the Rays. And, yeah, he wants to see a hit in spring training on this and that. And, okay, oh, okay. You know, so I signed with them. I got three at-bats in spring training. And then sent back down to minor league camp. So at that point, it's just, you know, you're, yeah, it gets to that point where you, you figure, I, I, what else do I have? There's nothing else that I can really do, I don't think, aside from hit 75 home runs to, and that's not going to happen, you know, to, to get to the, to get over that hump. So I got a bunch of questions, John, but I've been dominating. You got something you want to, you want to jump in on? I've, I'm just interested, you know, you talked about, you know, doing it the right way. And, you know, there's a lot of guys that could have been in your position that said, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to steer myself the opposite direction, um, you know, and do the PEDs and all that. And I'm sure that, that, that was, that could have probably been an option for you. I don't know. Oh, definitely. Um, but you know, that, that, I think that speaks volumes to, you know, your character and it speaks volumes, you know, probably what you're doing in your life now and the kind of person you are. So, um, you know, I commend you for that too. Um, it, that's, I'm sh- I'm sure that was a big part. Um, you know, it's it's not an easy decision to make. I guess is what I'm saying. You know, you could you could very easily took the other route. Oh, definitely. I, yeah, I, I can. I can. Why didn't you? I never thought it would benefit me to the point where it was going. Because everyone gets to this PED talk where it's you're going to hit the ball into the ocean like Barry Bonds. You know, Barry was hitting balls like that for a decade before before any of that. The PEDs. A lot of guys were taking them or they started taking them because they were hurt and they were coming back from an injury and they wanted to get on the field sooner so they can prove themselves quicker and, and all right. that. Some guys liked the way they looked on the beach and, and they took them. Um, for me, it was one of those things where I had enough power, I thought, where it's, well, who cares if I hit an extra six home runs? It's not going to make a difference, you know? It's not like I'm hitting balls. I'll just are... tell you, some people have the opposite calculus, that if you go to arbitration and you have six more home runs, that translates into X amount of dollars. Yeah, but I was the furthest thing from arbitration you right. can okay. you can imagine. So it was like, 
when you're coming up in the minor leagues, you know, certain guys were taking them, sure, you know, because they wanted more power because they, they're hitting 12 home runs a year, not 26, you know. And so it was one of those things, I and it was never going to make me faster. I was never going to be somebody that steals bases. So that was out. Um, and then you look at the health ramifications from taking that stuff. You know, I, I don't I don't need to have my liver explode on me when I'm 40, you know. And so taking all that into account, could I have gotten away with it? Absolutely. You know, uh, that was the, that. I think and, that's been proven. <laughs> you could have gotten away. Yeah, and I mean, if it wasn't for Balco in what, 2003 or whenever it was, um, or maybe before, I can't even remember when that happened, but teams were just, it was all in-house, you know, so. I got one real serious question before I get to some fun stuff. Is is it difficult to become a normal person, like to leave pro sports and then live the, you know, the, the it's not an average life, you can Wonderful family, you got a really good job. But I mean, what's that? Is that transition difficult? Yeah, it was difficult, but it, I think it's, I didn't, I thought I ran my time out, right? Like I played 10 years after college. And it was, it's one of those things where I did everything I could. I did it my way. I did it the way where I can look back and be proud. I can talk to my kids about it and be proud about it. So when, my time came and real life was, you know, I had two kids at the time, my wife and I'm traveling on bus trips, going to Rochester, you know, like I'm going to Syracuse. This is, and I'm missing my kids. And I'm, you know, every time I see them, they look different because they were smaller. It's, it's done, you know, and you get to that point where the age and the amount of time I'm playing six, the move my six years and, you know, the international league, you know, you get to the point where you're like, you know, I've had, a, I've had enough, you know, and, and I was the decision made for me. Was there another team out there that would assign me the next year? I don't even know. Cause I didn't even try, you know, but it was, I was, I've had enough and, and that was it. And it was time, it was time to move on because I know in my early thirties, I'm not going to automatically, there's, it's not going to happen. Right. You know, so why spend the time going back to Ottawa? You know, to to play the the Orioles organization or whoever was up there at the time, it not going to happen. So. Right, you got you're, you're sitting next on the bus. I'm 22 year old thinking about what strip bar he's going to go to, and you're sad because you can't give your baby a bottle. I mean, it's like yeah, they, I mean you, you, the 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 bus had left the station. Oh god, know? yeah, yeah, and it was and it was it was that point where I had enough. I, I had enough. Uh, I don't know. I had enough insight to, to to sit there and say and be honest with myself and say okay. This is going to end. I'm not going to go and play uh, uh, independent ball. I'm not going to do any of that stuff. I'm. It, it's been a good run, and I made it further than I ever thought I was going to, and I'm I'm happy with it. You know, and, and and making the decision was easy for me. It wasn't for a lot of guys I know. Right. You know, it was it was it was rough for them. You know, guys coming out of high school that never went to college that, you know, all of a sudden they played eight years and now they the only thing that they have on their resume is that they. Played baseball. Played baseball, yeah. But and, you had a degree. Yep. In, in what? Criminal justice. And now you wind up leaving, I'd say leaving baseball. And, oh, yeah. And now is that an easy decision to become a police officer, or is that, how does that all unfold? I mean, I always wanted to do something like that. Um, and at the time, it was out of necessity, too. You know, I mean, it's like when you look at your resume and you, you know, worked part-time for FedEx on the you know, in the off seasons and, right. you know, you worked at a liquor store in the off seasons just to kind of 
yeah. make a little extra money, and then all of a sudden you're putting that stuff on a resume. And when I hit a ball with a stick for ten years, it doesn't equate to much. But it's it you know, fortunately I was hired on uh, PD down in Raleigh, North Carolina, and um, you know I'm grateful for that opportunity. And then you get the opportunity to come back home. Yes. Yeah. That and it's that's been the greatest um, decision I've made. I think. Uh, I, I not like I made it. Kristen made it with me, but it was it was difficult. But it was. Um, Looking back on it now, it was absolutely the best decision to make, and uh, and and kids are great and they're happy and they're healthy, and I can't I can't complain one bit about it. You know, it's funny because I, part part of me is like, there's plenty of minor league players who became great major league managers and coaches, but then I'm thinking about what you're saying is it it doesn't make sense because you would have had at least four years on the buses as a coach before you got any call up, and then you're still gone for. Half the year. So oh, you're married to that sport. I mean, so I mean, yeah. is that why you didn't go into baseball after baseball? Oh yeah, because I was asked. You know, you know, my agent at the time. You know, before before everything was done, was just like, "Would you ever coach?" I was like, "I'm." There's no way that I'm going back down to the bottom of the list as a hitting coach in a ball. You know, driving around twelve and fourteen hour bus trips, making I don't even know what they make, but I'm sure it wasn't enough to support a family back somewhere else um where they're living and it, it and then you're traveling all the time again on those bus trips and it's i already i already read that book i'm good yeah. you know like this i'm not going to go back to that so that wasn't that was never really even an option i wasn't you know i wasn't going to do that um you know kids sports and things like that when my stupid schedule dictates what i you know i can yeah be there for them great you know and and i try to be as much as possible but uh but yeah, no, I was never, never in the running for that coaching. All right, so we're gonna wrap it up here. A couple quick questions: best player you ever on the field with? I liked Manny. I, he he was like like watching him hit and getting to hit with him in spring training and pick his brain and ask him some questions. You could was, talk to him. You actually could talk to him, like have a conversation with him. Oh, he's awesome. Yeah, really? yeah. Well, the, the, my first year, my first year with the Red Sox, I'm at 2003. It's like a new team, and I, I said I'm going to be the first one to show up to spring training, and I'm going to work my butt off, and blah blah blah. And it's like 6:30 in the morning. I get out of my car, and there's the empty lot parking lot, and, and we're stretching on the bench. <laughs> stretches at nine o'clock or 9:30 or whatever it was, and I hear like somebody hitting in the cage already. I'm like, what in the world, man? And I walked over, and there's 60 balls on the ground, and Manny's full sweat, and he's like, Poppy, hurry up. I, I need a break. And I was like, yeah, I'll be right there, man. It's like, you know, I run in and, you know, I get a chance to hit with him before anything. And because I don't think he picked up a bat before spring training. Right. And so he got into the, his groove there, but, but, you know, got to hit with him like that and ask questions and kind of pick his brain. It, it, dude, was, he was great. He was a great hitter. You know, I don't know about all around best player, right. you know, but he was, uh, he was he was fun to watch. I had I enjoyed him a lot watching him hit. How about the? Can you tell us like the biggest jerk? Uh, I don't I don't know if I would want to. Throw. Okay. There was. Uh, How about most overrated? There was one guy. There was one guy. He was. Uh, I love this stuff. Milton Bradley wasn't very nice. <laughs> the outfielder for Cleveland. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He was. Uh, 
He would, he would, he was, he was great one day, and then he'd come in and he would snap the next day, and you're like, "What is going on?" I wonder you know, if he so took a lot of crap for his name growing up, Milton uh, Bradley. Of course he did. And he just was taking it out on everybody. I don't, he was know, a, I don't know about all that. He was a stud, man. He, he was, was a strong he was kid, such a good athlete, a good player, switch hitter. He was awesome. It's just like he couldn't get out of his own way to, to, to maximize his potential. Was Albert Bell know? still there? Or was he gone? No, Albert. Don't Albert call me Bell Joey. <laughs> Albert, oh, I, I would, I would have loved to have seen him. Um, no, my year, the year in 2002 when I was there, that was the year that they started trading everybody off. So, you know, you go up to Bartolo got traded that year to the Expos, and we got back Cliff, Lee, um, Brandon, Phillips, and, and I never played with Grady Sizemore, but he was like a lower, younger guy. But the other two, you know, they they came right to Buffalo, and, you know, we traded somebody. I can't remember who we traded for Coco Crisp. Covelli came over at that point, and... We got a bunch of they got a bunch of young guys that year for the older guys that because they just they were just breaking it down you know they were just completely revamping that system. You got I get a I was gonna say like in the minors who's the guy that you know you saw him for a half an hour and you're like he's gone he's so good he's gone. I saw Glenn Allen Hill hit one over the light tower in Syracuse once at a game. Yeah, and I was like I I it literally they could never looked like it was gonna land. Yeah, yeah. There's a few of those guys like David Wright. I remember playing against David Wright when I you know. For the 15 minutes he was in AAA, got to play him in Norfolk, and it was just like you, you looked at him, you're like, okay, he's got it together. Everything he does, he's got it together. Um, there were a bunch of guys like that, though. Yeah. You know, a bunch of guys that you faced. Like I remember we faced Francisco Liriano when he was younger with the with the Twins in Rochester, and he he Former blew Rocket. he yeah. blew us all filthy. up. Filthy, oh filthy. My God, his slider was ridiculous, and and he he carved us up. Um, one year in, in Rochester. I don't even know what team I was playing for because I played in that league so long. But it was like <laughs> when we did face him, he 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 killed us. And you could tell more stories. We, listen, I know uh, how grateful John is for you. Do you being remember here. your first major league hit? Oh yeah. Who was it off? I know. I think I I, I wrote it down. But yeah, Hideki Robert. Yeah. No way. Yeah. Former Yankee, but it wasn't against the Yankees though, right? No, he was, was closing. Texas. He was closing for Texas. Yeah. Yeah. And I I, I got to give credit to Ellis Burks for that because Ellis was our DH and. And I was I was pinch hitting for another Connecticut guy, uh, John McDonald. And um, before I got up, he goes, "Hey, if you get to three two, he's gonna throw that split finger, but he's gonna it's gonna be just this piece of crap right down the middle. He's gonna throw it like a changeup." He goes, "Sell out, man." He goes, "That's what's gonna happen." I was like, "Okay." And I got to three two, and I'm like, "Well, else has been here longer than I have, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with it." And sure enough, he throws that stupid. Split finger change up right down the middle and hit a ground ball up the middle for a base hit and that's awesome. Yeah, it was it was it was so it was so cool and it's like, you know, I get to get to first base and Palmero says congratulations, you know, and then the next ball was grounded out to first. Um, Matt Lawton hit was hitting behind me, and he just rolled one over to first and it was the end of the game because there was two outs. And I was three two count. You know, it was like Sunday night baseball game of the week, right? And so. On that ground ball, I'm running to to second, and you know A Rod's there. It smells like cologne for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> After a nine inning game, I couldn't. I didn't that doesn't su- it. that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, but uh, you know he says congratulations and all that other stuff because they all know. You know you, yeah. they know that they're like, well, who the hell is this guy? You know, and oh, it's his first hit when they throw the ball in. So, so I remember Hideki Arabu. Um, I'm working for the Rochester Red Wings right out of college, and he he's he's pitching there on his way up to the Yankees. This is probably 97, maybe 98. 
Um, and he was the real deal. You know, everyone was making a big deal out of him. And uh, I'm walking underneath the tunnel and I look to my right and he's sitting on top of a washing machine with a blazer in his mouth, smoking a cigarette before his start. So you want to talk about conditioning and, you know, so Steinbrenner was right. I guess we call him the fat toad. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. May he rest in peace. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I mean, I'd love to talk to you about oh, so many other things and maybe we'll have you on again. I mean, we're just grateful for the time. It's awesome. And, uh, and we also think it's great. You should be recognized. I mean, this is great. And you're in our backyard here in Connecticut. So, um, thank you. Oh, thank you. It's great. And, uh, it's great to finally meet you guys and, and talk to you like this, but uh, yeah, any anytime. I'm I'm around, not going anywhere. So <laughs> he's Earl Snyder. Uh, don't get into trouble in East Hampton, Connecticut, because he will take you down. Uh, he's John Senecal. Uh He's now you're back in the business. You're working in the media world full time now. In the business, yeah. Fellow, working for Fox CIC. Yeah, yeah. The other the other side of that, the, yeah, the, 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 the television side. side. And I'm Brian Shackman. This is Fanbase, a deep dive into the greatest rivalry in sports, episode 68. Obviously, if you're watching us on YouTube or listening to us wherever, please share, please like, and we will talk to you next time. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.